got about probably maybe 20 minutes with you guys, and so if if it seems like I'm going quick, I am. Um, but I'm blessed to get to start to share with y'all uh, this evening. David asked me to do this, and he asked if I would talk to you about what he called practical ways to be led by the Spirit. I had a friend who told me, who laughed when I said that, and he said, that's funny because the Holy Spirit is not often practical. I don't know that I agree with that, but it is interesting. But what David said was we, uh, my wife and I, Jane, there's Jane back there. If you don't know Jane, you should know her. Um, But uh, we just, David said to me, you guys just had to, allow the Spirit to lead you through a really significant decision, and we did, and that was making the decision to move here and and become a part of the staff of uh, Stonebridge. And he said, I think people would be interested in knowing how you sought the Spirit and how the Spirit led you through that. So I said I'd be glad to share just a few things and how we walked through that, and hopefully they will be practical. Um, I wrestled in high school. Anybody wrestler besides me? Anybody wrestle? All right, cool. So what's your name? Tim. Okay, so Tim. I don't know if you if you realize this, but I realized that not every great wrestler made a great coach, right? Like, not every great wrestler made a great coach, especially those that were just sort of natural athletes, those guys that could not practice and not worry about anything and just, just beat the crud out of the rest of us. Those guys actually didn't make the greatest coaches. Uh, the greatest coaches were guys who had to work to be good. They were guys that were good wrestlers, and, but, but they'd had to work through things to understand them. Because sometimes when you're naturally inclined towards something, um, it's hard to teach other people how to do it. Does that make sense? Right? Like if it's something that you've never had to learn how to do, then it's very hard for, for you to instruct others in how to do that. And a lot of times in my life as a believer, when, when I would seek uh, godly men who I knew, who, who I knew heard from the Lord, and I would ask them like, how do you know you're hearing from the Lord? They just didn't have any answers, right? Because they were just so, there was something about them that it just came, I don't know if it came naturally or supernaturally or what it was, but they just kind of felt their way through things. And I didn't always do that because sometimes I felt my way through things and then sometimes my feelings were completely haywire and and out of whack. And so um, I'm the kind of person that like... I understand things in, in relationship to systems, and y'all will even see that tonight with something I'm going to share with you guys. But I, I needed something more than that, and it was through a process of years and different people uh, that I started to piece together what does it mean to, to live a lifestyle where when it's time in those big moments for, the, for, for me to, to know the Holy Spirit is leading me, what does that mean in the day-to-day? Like, how can I start now creating and sowing into my life uh, the type of practical things that will then become what grows into the Lord leading me in big decisions. Does that make sense? I I dealt with college students for years, and they would always ask, they would always want to make these huge decisions about their lives, and I don't know if I should do this or that, or be with this person or that person, or go to this place or stay in this place. And one of the things I always talked to them about was, you know, just follow Jesus today. And if you follow Jesus today, then tomorrow you follow Jesus today, and then the next day you follow Jesus today. Ultimately, all those things will add up into God's destiny for you. And so hopefully the things that I share with you tonight are are just practical ways um, to to seek to be led every day. Does that make sense? Am I making sense? You guys are asleep. It's late. I don't know. 
Um, so, so there are just three things that um, in, in the about 20 minutes that I have that I want to share with you that were a big part of us being able to understand where the Lord was leading us in coming to Stonebridge. And the first thing is this. Um, the, the, first, the first thing that actually led me into understanding what the Lord wanted in this situation happened not this past January when I first ha- heard about the job, but happened over a year before that when I was uh, with a friend over Christmas break. Uh, I was with a friend and we were talking about all these different things related to my life. And I was saying, I'm not sure why this is going this way. I'm not sure why this is working out this way. I don't know what to do with this. I don't know what to do with that. And, and that friend said to me, it was just kind of those things that only a good friend can say. And he said, I don't think that you want only Jesus. And I thought I was like, that's pretty like abrasive thing to have somebody say to you. It's not how I would start out a conversation with any of you. I don't know you well enough yet. But, but to hear somebody say that, he looked at me and he said, he said, I don't think you want only Jesus. He said, I think we sing songs about God being all we want and all we need and, and, and all these things. God is our everything. But he said, I think very few of us really just want Jesus. And this is what my friend said to me. He said, he said I would encourage you to take some time to pray and fast just for a desire to really just want Jesus. And, and so I started doing that. And in the midst of doing that, I, I took some time away and, and I was praying. And, I, and, and I, that was my only agenda in prayer was, God, I, I just want to want you. And my prayers weren't impressive and my Bible reading wasn't impressive, but it was all just this repetitive thing again. God, help me want only you. And, and I did that uh, for about three weeks. And at the end of that three-week period, suddenly I found myself uh, leaving my job for another job. And, and it's kind of, a, and, and it's not somewhere I was looking at all at the time. And when you do the math, you'll realize I only stayed at that job for a year, but we'll get there. Um, and, but, but what happened was I realized that some of the strife in my life, I thought that I was holding tightly to Jesus. I was in a job where things were hard and, and, and things, and I didn't know how things were going to end up, but but I was in campus ministry and I loved the students and I wanted to be there for the students and I wasn't going to give up. And I was saying to myself, Jesus, I'm just going to believe you. I'm going to trust you for these students. I'm going to stay here now. I'm going to continue to do this. And then ultimately through that time of, of saying, God, I want you to be all I want. What I realized was that I wasn't holding on to God. I was holding on to something God had given me. Does that make sense? And, and there's a real fine line there. And, and that line can make you miss the leading of the Spirit. And you can seem like a really good person, and you can seem like a really godly person, and you can seem like a really dedicated, faithful person, and you may be a dedicated and faithful person, but what you find is you're not dedicated and faithful to God in that moment, but you're dedicated and faithful to something God gave you. And I know that sounds weird, but if you guys look at Genesis 22, I think, is it going to? No. Yeah, it's Genesis 22. I don't know why I put put Genesis 3 up there. Is that going to throw us off? Completely. I'm sorry, Kim. If you look at Genesis 22, you can take my word for it if you want, if you don't have a Bible with you. All right. So if you look at Genesis 22, you got the story of Abraham and Isaac, right? And you guys know about Abraham. Abraham, he was Abram and they didn't have any kids. And God comes to him and he says, I'm going to give you all these um, descendants. It's going to be more numerous than stars. And so then they try to do it on their own. And and um, they, they have Ishmael, and that creates problems. But then they get Isaac. God gives Abraham and Sarah Isaac, okay? And Isaac is God's promise to Abraham. What Abraham's whole name, his whole life is going to be built on Isaac, right? And so this is like, this isn't just a gift from God. This is like the 
gift from God. And this is what happens in chapter 22. Uh, there it is. Kim, you're awesome. Um, start in verse 1. This is what it says. And after these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here am I. He said, take your son, your only son, Isaac. It's like God's like putting his finger on it, right? It's like, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love. I mean, God's like saying, whom I gave to you, who was, who's the child of the promise, right? Like he doesn't even list Ishmael because Isaac's his true son, his true gift from God. Whom you love and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there. Can you imagine the switch turning for Abraham right there? Offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. And then one of the most bizarre verses in scripture. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. And he cut the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place which God had told him. You know, later on, we read about Abraham in the New Testament, and it says that Abraham just figured God will probably raise the dead, right? Like, I mean, Abraham was so committed to this idea. This is this great picture of, in in, in a really bizarre passage, if you don't think about it in in the Christian way, of, of a guy who said, I'm committed to God more then I'm committed to the things that God has given me. Does that make sense? And I'm not telling you go out and carry your kid to a mountain. All right, that's not what I'm saying. Kennesaw Mountain does not need you trudging up there with your son. But what I'm saying is, here in Abraham isn't somebody who, has a, who doesn't care about his son. It's not somebody who doesn't desire his son to live or, or even recognize the, the value and the gift that God has given him in his son. But he's somebody who's decided that God above all deserves his allegiance and so it says he just guessed god would raise isaac from the dead can you imagine that faith to to allow the spirit to lead you and see i realized at one point that when i thought i was holding on to god i was actually holding on to things that god had given me and and when i released that it's only it's been about a year and a half since since the lord really revealed that to me but as soon as i released that the rhythm of my everyday life changed and my allegiance has changed. You know, I think I was at one point more devoted to being a good guy than I was to God. Does that make sense? Like, I wanted to be God's good guy, and I wanted to do things that, that were godly. Um, but if I had never learned that lesson um, about holding tightly to God more than, more than anything God has given me, I wouldn't be standing on this stage. And it was crazy that a year later when somebody contacted me and said, Stonebridge Church is looking for a student director. Um, my, my initial thought would have been, if somebody had contacted me with that two years ago, um, I would have said, well, that's nice. It's a great place. But I've only been where I've been for a year. You don't leave when you've only been somewhere for a year. It's not the right thing to do. I've got this and this and this, and everything's taken care of. And the idea of leaving is bizarre and, and risky and you know, and, and I, can, I can continue to do things. And God's called me to ministry and he called me here to this church that I'm at. And so that's where I'm going to stay. But, but I didn't do that. And the reason I didn't do that was because I, I had finally learned that lesson in a very hard way. That I need to hold tighter to God than to anything God's given me. Is that not making sense? Is this look, okay, because some of you are like, I'm not sure. So maybe it'll get better. Just fingers crossed. Um, but... I had this sense in which nothing um, just out of hand got to be dismissed. Does that make sense? 
So it wasn't anything of like, well, that can't be God. Now, there are some things that I would agree that can't be God, okay? And we'll, we'll get to those in a minute. But, but, but the, first, the first real way to practically be led by the Spirit is to develop a lifestyle where you really want God, where He is really all you want, and other things pour out of that. Does that make sense? Other things pour out of that. So, so it has to be that the reason that, that I want to be a good husband is because I want God. And that it, God says that part of wanting him is wanting to be a good husband. It has to be that the reason that I want to provide for my family, financially or relationally or whatever it is, comes out of the fact that God told me that that is his calling on my life. Does that make sense? The reason I want to be a good father comes out of that. The reason I want to be a good minister comes out of that, right? Like it's not something that, that I hold on to tighter than I hold on to him. And it's developing that kind of lifestyle that makes us free whenever God says, yeah, go that way now, to go that way. And so the first way to practically be led by the Spirit, I would say, is to seek to live in such a way that you're more committed to Jesus, or you're committed to Jesus before you're committed to anything else. So be a person of worship, be a person of prayer. On a, on a daily basis, be a person of worship and be a person of prayer. And then I would recommend, this is something I've built into my life, um, I would recommend having regular times. I don't know if it's like once a year, twice a year, whatever it is, but building in regular times where you specifically seek God to strengthen that allegiance and to check what your, what your allegiance is to. Does that make sense? Like more so than... You could think of all the places your allegiance could be to. Your allegiance could be to work. Your allegiance could be, this sounds weird, but your allegiance could be to your family. And it's not that God doesn't require you or, or desire you to be dedicated and devoted to your family, but it's where does that motive come from, right? Like moms, and, and my wife talks about this all the time. Moms, you have, a, you have a real, how many moms are in here? How many moms we got? We got, or it, it doesn't matter. Okay, moms. All right, so you have a strong longing to protect your children. But, but there's that longing as it comes out of your desire for God, and then there's that longing as it kind of comes out of just sort of the natural maternal instinct. You know what I mean? And one of those things is great for your kids, and the other thing can really harm your kids, you know? And, and so it's taking time regularly to say, God, where are my allegiances? Who do I love most? What do I love most? And do I love you most? And when you do that, it creates a lifestyle where you start to be practically led by the Spirit. All right, here's the second one. So the second one is this. Can you go ahead and throw it up? Because I got different notes here than what I gave you. So am I living in the wisdom of the Spirit? If you look at Proverbs, Proverbs all the time talks about the Holy Spirit and personifies the Holy Spirit through the idea of wisdom. So in Proverbs 8, flip there. Is it going to come up? There we go. It says, now then, my sons, listen to me. Blessed are those who keep my ways. This is wisdom. Wisdom's talking here. Blessed are those who keep my ways. Listen to my instruction and be wise. Do not ignore it. Blessed is the man who listens to me, watching daily at my doors, waiting at my doorway. For whoever finds me finds life and receives favor from the Lord. But whoever fails to find me harms himself. All who hate me love death. And then go to that next one. There you come. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding for through me your days will be many and years will be added to your life if you are wise your wisdom will reward you if you are a mocker you alone will suffer the next thing that i always ask myself when i'm seeking to be led by the spirit is that am i living in a way that's wise 
And if I'm living in a way that's wise, then my decisions that I make will be based in wisdom. And the Holy Spirit gives us wisdom, right? Amen? That's one of the, some of the things we've talked about. Like David talked about a few weeks ago, he said that the Holy Spirit kind of orders life in such a way that, that, that wisdom is one of the things that we get from the Holy Spirit. So am I living my life in a wise way? I want to talk about this really briefly because I'm already running up against time. But it's the artificial rush to decision. One of the things that will hinder being led in your life is that we create these artificial timetables to make a decision all the time. You know what I mean? Some decisions legitimately have timetables, right? Like you've got to make your offer on the house by this date or you, you know, this is going to happen. You've got to decide about this job. Like when we had to decide about this job, there was, there was a deadline. But sometimes in a desire to depend on ourselves instead of the spirit, we create artificial timelines, don't we? And I'm going to tell you, it's never wise to create an artificial timeline. It's never wise to create a space within yourself where you say, I have to make this decision now, and you create that pressure in your life. Because if you look at the life of Jesus, Jesus' life was full, but he never seems rushed, does he? He never seems rushed, even though Jesus understands that he had limited time. You guys, he was dying when he was my age. The year that, that Jesus turned my age was the year he died. So you talk about limited time, right? But he was never rushed. He never gave in to this artificial sense. And there are times actually when the spirit leads him to stay somewhere when everybody says we got to go this way, right? And he moves within the rhythm of the spirit. So I want to tell you if, you, if you feel artificially rushed, I would say that in, in some way you need to give that to, to the spirit and ask for his wisdom to give you really a clear timetable for something like that. And then the last part of that is this. Um, you guys, grab the, there's a piece of paper on your table, spread them out, hand them out real quick. If you only think about one thing that I said tonight, think about this, hopefully. All right? This is this idea that what I said is, am I living in God's wisdom in every dimension of my life? If you look at this, basically, this isn't something I came up with. This is something a mentor of mine came up with. It's this idea that our life is divided in, the, the way that God would have us live our life is that he would be at the center of our life, and then there's eight dimensions that's around our life. So I'll go through them real quick. Oh, no, are those other ones not there? They come up? Okay, cool. All right, so I'll go through them really, really quick, you guys. All right, so, so here are the dimensions of life, right? You have your physical life, okay? That means like your breathing, your body, all those things. Kim and I were talking about it today. Do you know that, you know that taking care of yourself physically, honoring God with how you treat your body physically is actually a way that the Spirit can use to lead you? And if your body's all out of whack, sometimes that'll mess with you. And, and how you hear the spirit, because when your body's out of whack, it makes you emotional, it throws you off, it makes you tired, what, whatever it is, that, that if you're not being wise and giving God access to your physical life, and some of you are like, what? But, but yeah, if you're, not, if you're not giving God access to your life in the sense of you're taking care of your body, that that can hinder you hearing the spirit when it's time to hear him, because your body's out of whack. Same thing's true, you're, that emot ent, that's your emotional intellectual. And it's what are you giving your emotions to? How, are you, are, how much access are you, are you letting God have in your emotions and in your intellect? What are you reading? What are you thinking about? What are you allowed to, to touch your emotions? What are you watching? Things like that. And how much access does God have to that? There's work and school. And so some of you are in school. Some of you have jobs. And how much access you give God to that will, and that's probably easy for you to see, that will affect your ability to be led. And then there's your social life. You know that your friend groups and things like that, right? Like I know people that are married 
who only hang out with single people and divorced people, and they cannot hear the Lord for their marriage. I'm serious. They can't. They, they hear the worst stuff, and, and, and they internalize it because God doesn't have any access in that area of their lives because their social setting doesn't provide a, a godly marriage example for them. There's, um, there's your family, and I said romance up here because I was doing this for students, but that's also marriage if you're married, and then family, um, h- how you connect with them and how much access God gives that. Your finances, that probably makes sense to you, that the more access you give God to your finances, you, you give to God in your finances, that that's <coughs> going to affect how willing you are to be led by the Spirit. There's your hopes and dreams. That's a huge one. What do you dream of? And how much access does God have to mess with your dreams and to mess with your hopes and, and to be a part of those and define those? And then there's your belief system, and that's this. <laughs> that's church and reading your Bible and praying and all those things, and that's a part of it, and, and how much access. You know, I went to church for 18 years, and God had zero access to my belief system. <laughs> it wasn't for a long time, but that'll hinder how you're led in your life and how much you let the Holy Spirit lead you. And so the question that we asked ourselves with this job was, God, this move for us as a family, how does it affect your desires in every one of these areas? And literally, you guys, Jane will tell you, we did this, and it got annoying to her, I'm sure. We did this like four or five times, you guys, sitting down at night. We'd go through each area, and we would say, does this increase what God wants in this area, or does it decrease, or is it neutral? And this, this is not going to sound spiritual at all, but we came down like six to one or something, and one of them was like a toss-up, it didn't matter. And I know that that, that that does not sound like, you know, we prayed and God came down from the mountain. But that was a real way that the Spirit led us in this. Because I'll go ahead and tell you guys, there were a lot of other things going on. But if I would looked at all these areas and I would said six of the dimensions of my life are going to be negatively affected by going there, six of, the, six of the areas where God wants to work in my life are going to be negatively affected by going to Stonebridge, that would have been a lot of pause for us, right? Because we would have had to say, God, is this wise? Is this really your wisdom in that area? Okay, so that's the second way. All right, and um, the third thing is this. What's the third thing, Kim? Is it going to come up? There we go. Um, Are God's highest priority relationships in my life for or against this? So when you live in a way where you recognize that God is a God of relationships, and you're living in a way that you're saying, I give the highest priority relationships that God has in my life, input and you constantly do that then when it's time to be led by the spirit you're going to do that as well my highest priority my relationship in my life this side of jesus is who 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 do you guys think she's in the room so i better get this right right yeah jane my wife you know why i know that because god I, i read this bible and i don't see anywhere where god said david go to stonebridge church But I definitely see where he says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and laid down his life for for the church. And I'm supposed to do the same thing with my wife. And I would say wives, it says about husbands, right? It it, it says wives, submit to your husbands as as to the Lord. And so I'm going to go and tell you guys, if if I'd wanted to come here and Jane had said, absolutely not, we're not going there, um, I wouldn't have come. Because I, I let the clear interpret the unclear when it comes to being led by the Spirit in my life. Is that I let the clear things interpret the unclear. Because a lot of things, man, bad pizza has made me think I should do certain things, right? Like, I mean, there's all kinds of stuff that can affect you. But it's clear that God has says that that's the high priority 
relationship in my life. And in fact, one of the compelling reasons to come here was that my wife loves this community. And this is a place where we believe that, that she could have godly community and, a grow, and, and grow in a way that, that wasn't necessarily available to her where we were. And, and so that living in that rhythm allows the Spirit to lead you as well. Um, oh, and it says not letting the Spirit trump God's call to relationship. You know, sometimes we can say that, like, you know, the Spirit wants to do this and they just don't get it. Right? You know, we can do that all the time. You know, uh, admission college students would always tell me on mission trips, they would say, well, I want to go, but my parents don't want me to go. I can't believe it, blah, blah, blah. And I would always tell them, I'd say, if your parents don't want you to go, don't go. And because, because you don't ever, as a, as a kid who is, who is seeking to honor your faith to your family, you don't ever want to use some sort of trump card when Scripture says clearly honor your father and mother. And, and so I've told students, go to your parents and say, if this dishonors you, I won't go. And it's incredible to watch how that works in family. If you honor God with what he says about relationships, he will always honor you. All right, really quick. Sorry, um, I got two minutes. And the last thing is this, and, and, I, and I say this <coughs> almost hesitantly, but I think it matters because this is the last thing that we asked ourselves when we were seeking to be led in this position, which is do we want to do this? Do we want to do this? Psalm, Psalm 37.4, do you have it? Awesome. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Isn't that a cool verse? But there's a caveat, right? Delight yourself in the Lord. And if you're doing all these other things, you're delighting yourself in the Lord, right? And he will give you the desires of your heart. And I initially said, do I want to do this? But I want to define that because later on I was thinking through this and I thought, you know what? A better thing would say, am I passionate about this? Because sometimes we can be passionate about things that we wouldn't necessarily want to do. You know what I mean? Like people travel, people go live in other countries and, and give up all kinds of things and live in huts or, or, or do these, you know, just wild, crazy things, adopt 20 kids or whatever. And it's not necessarily their want, but it's their passion. And I do think that as we delight ourselves in the Lord, that he will make us passionate about the things he's passionate about. And I think that that matters. I think that if you looked at something and you said it's a toss-up, fine. I could go this way, I could go that way. Either one would be wise. I go this way, I go that way. My spouse agrees. Either way we go. I think it's good to say, God, you're all I want. Are you making me passionate about this decision? And we were passionate about coming here. Uh, we were absolutely passionate. Once we went through all those areas and we kind of went through those things, and then we said, God, is this something that you're burning within our heart? And then it got to a point where we were like, we, it wasn't we want to go, it was we can't stay. You know what I mean? You get to that point where, you're ultimately like, God, give me a passion for this if you want me, like if this is something you want to move me towards. And it didn't mean that it was hard. It didn't mean that it was easy to leave. It was very hard to leave. It was terrible. I broke out into some weird rash when, when I said I was going to leave my old job. I'll share that story some other time. But or maybe not. Uh, maybe, in, maybe in my small group. I don't know. Um, but, but it was tough. And I didn't feel good when I told them I was going to leave. But I knew passionately within me. Um, that, that Stonebridge was, was where I wanted to be because it's where I could be most obedient to the Lord and be most obedient to the Spirit. So those are just some practical things when it comes to seeking to create a lifestyle within yourself and how to be led by the Spirit. Okay, and if you guys have any questions about that, I know I had to run through it uh, fairly quick. Um, feel free to grab me afterwards and ask. And so I have some discussion questions, right? I put them up. Okay, um, 
what is one gift from God that can get in the way of your devotion to God? So that's that Abraham Isaac thing. If you guys want to talk about that, like what's something that you know God's given you that sometimes you have trouble letting go of to really be allegiant, um, have your allegiance to God. Uh, the second thing, which I think would be cool if you don't do it tonight to just go home and do it, um, is look at these eight dimensions and, and ask yourself, like, God, where do you have a lot of access? Where do you not have much access? And, and then ask yourself, what's an area that, that I need to give the spirit more access to or an area that I'm concerned about right now? And then ask yourself, how could I start to walk more in the wisdom of the spirit in that area? How could I give God more access to that area so that when God is leading me certain directions, um, I'm more open to do that. Uh, then I said, how should wanting affect your understanding of being led? Because I think there's a tension there. I want things not, I don't necessarily always want what God wants for me, but when I delight in the Lord, um, he makes me passionate about the things of his heart. And then the last thing is kind of, I guess, homework going forward. What is something you feel led getting out of this and moving out of this? What's something you feel led to pursue this fall? So go at it. Enjoy. Is that it? Am I supposed to pray? Tim, what does he do? Go at it in Jesus' name.